Welcome to the MLB Players Live Series. I'm your host, Josh McAllister, a private wealth advisor at AWM Capital. AWM Capital is a family office that is committed to helping out baseball families navigate the complexity of obtaining and stewarding generational wealth. Here, you go behind the scenes to hear stories directly from baseball wives who sit in your shoes, deal with the issues you encounter, and walk the exciting yet complex life of being a baseball wife. Our guests aim to provide support, guidance, and advice on how to help you navigate the inevitable challenges and victories your family will face. Our guest on today's podcast is Stevie Rasmussen, wife of Drew Rasmussen, a right-handed pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. Drew and Stevie have experienced a ton of success and gone through a lot of adversity, but have never wavered on their goal and vision for what success means for their family. Here, you get to hear their story and hear their advice that they would be able to give to you. So with that introduction, please allow me to introduce our guest on today's podcast, Stevie Rasmussen. Stevie, welcome to the MLB Players Wife series. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I think this is a really good idea. I kind of wish I would have had it back in the day, and so I'm excited to be able to share. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that kind of is, I mean... That in and of itself, what you just said there is the impetus of what we wanted to be able to do, right? And if I could just kind of paint a little picture of this is like, we work with families, right, that have the opportunity to have generational wealth or obtain it. And the idea is that, yes, there's the player. The player is in the limelight. He sees all the success. He see, you know, and it's, and it's broadcasted on ESPN and there's the locker room, et cetera. But just an equal counterpart, there's the wife who sits in the stands, who books the flights, who deals with rental units and families and children, all the while being the, the, the rock for their husband. And so I'm excited to share your story and to hear from you guys. You guys have a unique deal. And so I'd actually just like to start there and let you just kind of riff and like, what is the Rasmussen family story? It for sure is a weird one, I would say, getting to where we are today. Looking back, it's provided us a lot of insight and helped us grow a lot. I think that when we were getting married, everyone said, well, you guys have been through so much. You'll be good to go. But um, Drew and I met in college the week I moved in at Oregon State. Didn't want a boyfriend. Didn't want to date an athlete. I didn't want my life to be revolved around a game. And here I am moving to Florida tomorrow for baseball. But um you know, we met at Oregon State, and that was our freshman year. Kind of going through the baseball side of things, I we loved Oregon State baseball and school. I had the baseball wives in my wedding. I made so many great friends there. Freshman year was awesome. I didn't know anything about baseball. Like, I feel like this is bragging, but it really defines how little I knew. In freshman year, Drew pitched a perfect game, and I couldn't figure out why people were crying. And I didn't know. <laughs> What a perfect game was, I had no idea. Like, when I met Drew, I didn't know what a bullpen was. So people are crying, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it was an hour and 40-minute game. Love it. You pitched great. And then people are like, no, this is a big deal. I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, it's the first one ever. And I was like, oh, yeah, this might be a big deal. So I had no idea. and no idea what I was getting myself into. And, you know, everything was good. There were We were on all the highs of the highs, you know. Drew played on a really good team and we were at Oregon state and he got the starting role sophomore year. He was the Friday night starter and everything was kind of peachy and we were on a high. And then Drew got his first elbow, his first elbow reconstruction in March of sophomore year. So that was kind of like our first like reality. And I would say 
in college, you you kind of phrased it well, what I saying things are inevitable and things are going to happen. In college, injuries isolating, especially an injury like Tommy John, because you're by yourself for a year and a half, and you're not involved really in the team at all anymore. So you kind of like, it was like, oh, you know, Drew's the guy, he's the starter, and then it's like, Drew doesn't even go to the games. Like, some of the games he wasn't even allowed in. So it's like, it all just kind of happened overnight in that sense. So he rehabbed that surgery, which that surgery was kind of like, we found out Saturday he needed Tommy John on Monday, he was getting surgery. It was rough for us as a couple, I would say. A lot of growth happened in that time. Before that and through that, I kind of didn't have my own identity, I would say. Like, it was very much, like, all about Drew, all about baseball. And I remember calling my mom and saying, like, I don't know if I want this to be my life. Like, I don't know if I want my whole life to be about baseball. And I think that's when I really found, like, myself, my own hobbies and my own things that, like, kind of gave me purpose. Like, so I kind of really used that time to focus on teaching and getting my degree. And, like, that kind of helped me support Drew because I had my own purpose, I would say. And then, so Drew rehabbed that whole year. We got to spend a lot of time together, which was good. That was a blessing in disguise. Um, the next year was he rehabbed until April. Um, he played again in April. We were the best team in the country, and we went to Omaha. He pitched in Omaha. We, he was drafted in the first round, so we were really at the top of the roller coaster, I would say. And then everything kind of came crashing back down again. So he was... Drafted in the first round in Omaha. We lost in Omaha. Come home. And we're like, okay, well, you know, we lost in Omaha, but Drew was just drafted in the first round. So, like, kind of starting this new journey. And then Drew flew to Tampa, and he was doing the whole day where you take your pictures and sign your paperwork and get your physical. And I was waiting for the Rays to post, you know, we just signed Drew Rasmussen, and they never did. And so he called me, and he said, I guess I blew out my elbow again. And so we kind of had to go back to square one and we can talk more about in depth of that whole thing. But yeah, so then we went back to college and graduated together. That was our biggest, biggest blessing of Tommy John number two was that Drew got a full degree. We both graduated. We both got college degrees from Morgan State. I never thought that Drew would be able to go to graduation with me. So we kind of got that day that I never thought we'd get. And then we got engaged a year later we got married in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, which is interesting. And then now we are having a baby. So we've come a long way from two freshman kids that met at Oregon State, but a lot of challenges in there, but also a lot of great memories, I would say. One, thanks for sharing. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of questions roll through my mind. And a lot of it is, is I think, um, life, right? It just sounds like life you guys experienced together. It's funny. I mean, like Drew played on probably or arguably one of the best collegiate teams to ever. He will argue that that 2017 is the best team you'll ever see to this day. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's first rounders everywhere. I mean, you know, you had Adley Rutschman, first overall pick. You had Stephen Kwan, who just actually, that's a, as a timing of the recording of this podcast, right? Yeah. Made the big league club in Cleveland. Trevor Lonark, Drew, Caden Grenier, et cetera. I want to go back to something you said, though, is, is uh, the first surgery that was in, you know, the inevitable adversity, right? I want to hear from you. What were your feelings? What were your doubts? Like expand on you and your conversation with your mom of, hey, I don't know if I want to do this. This is a lot. Like, can you just talk more about that in general? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember 
before he got his surgery, he was, I mean, at the field every night to like eight or nine. And so as you get torn between that, well, this is his dream and this is his life. And also like, do I want to be a part of this? You know, him and him and Nate Yeski, his pitching coach, they were doing scouting reports. Like I was like, does he have a family? Come on. He needs to go home. And Drew was, he's so passionate about it. And so I'm like, I don't want to be pulling away from that, but also do I want to sacrifice this much? Do I want to have a relationship that looks like this basically? And I remember calling my mom and saying, you know, just kind of that, just, is this what I want? Because I don't want to ask Drew to do less. I wouldn't want to be the reason he looks ever looks back over his shoulder at anything. So it was kind of like, I needed to decide, do I want to be in a life where you sacrifice this or do I want to not? And so she just kind of was like, you know, she just talked me through it and said, you know, you just need to find for yourself what you want to do. If this, if you can find your own passion and it makes you happy too, and find yourself. And I think in baseball world, we get that way a lot. It's like you introduce yourself as I'm Stevie, I'm Drew's wife. And so you kind of, you kind of lose yourself in that, but I was really able to like take kind of take a step back. And I think the surgery actually helped that because it kind of gave us a minute together as a couple without baseball, which was kind of nice to see. And so I would say that really it was rough. It was, it was not easy. And it made the second one, you know, the second one, the draft process was obviously devastating, but like the surgery itself, like we were like, Oh, we got this. Like we've done this before we can do this. So it was kind of prepared us for that in a way. Yeah. I mean, what I hear from you is that you're actually, you wanted to be for Drew through that. Like, and you didn't, and that's, that's, that's actually such a great thing. It wasn't like, Oh, this is too hard. I want to spend more time with Drew. It was more like, hey, like I'm committing to this family for, for, and you're probably not saying that like when you were going, you know, when you were young and in college, but at the same time is like, hey, I want to commit to Drew. I want to commit to our vision of what we want to achieve. And I know that's a high commitment, right? I appreciate you sharing that. And I think I'd love for you to expand on the feelings of the second surgery. And I know that's difficult and vulnerable. Because it is, it's more in the limelight, right? And there's dollars on the table, right? And just navigating that and your emotions through it and your, I, I, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. Why don't you do it? Why don't you describe yeah. it? Yeah, so for people who don't know, so Drew was drafted and I'll just say how what we got because you can Google it, so it doesn't really matter. But Drew was drafted in the first round for about $2 million. So he was, you know, his dream was there. He literally was, my mom says had a lottery ticket and it got taken away. So calls me in Tampa and he's like, something's wrong. I'm flying. They're flying me home. And so, you know, we're like, okay, here we go again. What are we going to do? The whole process was a little weird the way it went. Ended up Tampa didn't have to sign us. They were great through the whole process. I mean, we play for them now and I love them. So no hard feelings to them. It is a business. And that was our first, like, you know, now people say, well, it's a business. I'm like, oh, we know. Like, We've, we've heard. So um, they ended up not signing us. We lost all our money. Drew went back to college. He actually paid for that year of college because Oregon State had assumed he wasn't coming back. So his scholarship was gone. He landscaped for my dad that whole summer. And I would say, like, I mean, it was hard. I mean, watching someone, else, like, the person that you love the most go through something like that, is it sucks. Like, but Drew never wavered. He was like, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. This is just a setback. And I was like, you know, thinking in my head, like, well, are you? Because no one's really done that. No one, I think, I think we were the first people, and I could be wrong, but I think we were one of the first people to be, and I say we now, because after this, you say we. Um, I love it. Say we. To be drafted, 
to be drafted having two Tommy Johns and make it to the big leagues. So it's kind of like, you know, Drew's like, yeah, I'm going to be a big leaguer still. And I'm like thinking in my head, like, is he? Like, nobody's done that. So really, I think that having him and having him be so confident in himself and people would even say like, behind closed doors, does he get mad? And I was like, no, he never felt sorry for himself. He was never like, poor me. I should have got this. I should have got that. He just put his head down. And I think that that has a lot to do with his face. And I think that was, it helped him a lot through everything. Cause I mean, literally he came back and he was landscaping in Gresham, Oregon, and he never complained one day. We did a lot of research and we found a new doctor, Dr. Meister, who I love, went to him. And in August, we were kind of on the road to recovery. And that year was, it was a weird year because the Oregon, Oregon State was so good. They won the national championship that year. So it's like, you know, people always ask, well, was Drew on that team? It's like, we kind of were. He was there. He was more of a bullpen coach, I always say. But like when it came to Omaha, we weren't there. And so it was, it was an isolating year in itself. It was a hard year. But it, I would say Drew's, Drew is what got me through it because he was so positive the whole time. He was like, anytime that like I was like feeling like a nerve or something, he was like, no, we're good. We're going to, we got this. Like I'm still achieving my dream. It might be stupid confidence, but it worked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> stupid, con- maybe us guys need to have some stupid confidence at times because it's, it is, it's, it's, it's difficult. And like, I just got to, I mean, commend Drew obviously because he's seeing the bigger picture through this and just, and just thank you for sharing knowing full well that it's not so much even about him, even this, this moment, right? He was thinking bigger, right? He was thinking about you. He was thinking, and he was not wavering on his dream, right? When it would have been very easy. And I think a lot of people would have said, yeah, it's, it's okay to kind of pack it in, so to speak. I mean, and that's, I mean, I don't want to, and I don't want to harp here, but I do want to hear you say this is like humbling experience of first rounder going to get introduced at the field in Tampa to landscaping in Corvallis, Oregon, right? I mean, you need to be able to have a faith about it, right? I mean, so that allowed you to propel into getting drafted again, right? And still like being able to pursue the dream. Talk about getting drafted, talk about minor leagues and everything that comes with that. Yeah, so I remember, I mean, the first time it was the first round draft. So we had the party, we had our parents there, we had all the stuff and you know, you don't know exactly when you're going to go, but you can get a pretty good idea. And so we did the thing and watched Drew's name get called. It was all the fun. Second time I was student teaching. I was at school. Drew was studying with his friends for a finance uh, final that day. So like it was just an extremely different experience for sure. Um, we had no idea what was going to happen. And like um, our agent even said, he was like, we're going to try our best. You literally haven't picked up a baseball since you got your elbow reconstructed for the second time. Like kind of, let's not expect anything here and let's just go in and see what happens. So we were drafted by the Brewers. And one of the reasons that we leaned so hard into them when we were getting calls with their process of rehabbing us, they had a lot of faith and they really cared about that. And so that was kind of our biggest thing for us was, I mean, the money is obviously good and it supports you to be able to do those things, but um, it was more about who could help Drew get to where he needed to be. That was kind of, the biggest part of it. So um, got drafted by the Brewers and Drew left to rehab. So he left, we graduated college. He was like, okay, well I got drafted, but can I please stay and uh, go to graduations? Obviously they were okay with that. So we did that. And then um, he left and I taught at home. I got the opportunity to teach second grade in my hometown and I couldn't really pass it up. I didn't want to, and he didn't want me to either. So that year um, Drew moved, he played in, 
rookie ball, low A, high A, and double A. So he had moved like five times that year. And I remember him calling me saying like, I don't want to do this by myself. And it, we also got the distance thing, which a lot of people who are in baseball know is like, he would call me. We kind of didn't have anything in common. I didn't know his friends. He didn't know my friends. Like we were just kind of like, it's weird to be not have anything in common with that person. So he was in the minor leagues, moved five times. And he called me and he was like, I don't want to do this alone. Like, what do we need to do to make it so you can come with me? Cause this is great. I'm moving up levels. That's awesome. But this sucks. Like I'm living in an air mattress. I don't know anyone. This sucks. And so the next year I taught online pre COVID and taught online and then the pandemic hit and which we just say is like, Things like this. It's like that timing for Drew is just like, yeah, that sounds about right. So the pandemic hit and we lived in a trailer, which actually was really fun. It would have been a little better if I could go to baseball game. And then Drew wasn't in the minor leagues for very long. It's like, you know, there were rough days and we did the distance, but overall, like we were very fortunate in that sense. And then he debuted in COVID in 2020 and I was in the hotel across the street. Yeah, didn't get to watch him, huh? Yeah, did not. Which is, so after all that, yeah. we did not get to watch him. Which, okay, talk about that. Like, I mean, that, cause I mean, I don't want to put this, you know, the wives in a box, but when their husband does get called up, that's a big moment, obviously, for the husband, right? But like, this is an equal moment for the wife, right? That you get to experience this because you just said it. You, like, you lived in a trailer, Drew lived on an air mattress, you were teaching online, you were, you, you basically upended your career so that you could be with him, right? So yeah, this this means a lot. Yeah, it does. And I remember when he got the call, we were in a trailer park outside of Appleton, Wisconsin. So that's where the AAA summer camp thing that they did was. And he drew, I, Drew's not a crier. He started crying and I was bawling. Cause it's like, you know, you both worked, like you said, it's like not don't toot my horn here, but you, you sacrifice a lot. Like you're living in a trailer in Appleton, Wisconsin with nobody that you know. And it's, it's a weird life, but then to watch your husband achieve that dream, especially like, you know, I was also there on the day Drew was learning how to straighten his arm again. And so it's like, you kind of, that whole, that all just gets put in perspective. And so we got the call and we drove, packed everything up, drove instantly to Chicago because that's where they're debuting. Well, I drove through to Milwaukee. <laughs> he was driving to Chicago. The bus he was on got a flat tire on his way there. Can't make it up. Can't make Can't it make up. It up. <laughs> got a flat tire. We made it to Chicago and he didn't pitch in that series. He pitched in the next series in Minnesota. So yeah, it was, I mean, the best, it was, amazing to see and then when I actually got to see it in person in 2021 that was like that was really awesome too and then I would say like our like debut moment that we got was when he debuted back with the Rays in Seattle our whole families were there and that was kind of like the moment that people get now hopefully more of but that was kind of like our debut buyback I would say so that was the moment that you get to experience now you you glossed over something that I do want you to to talk about your debut with the Rays, right, is not is different than the Brewers, right? So there was a trade that happened in there. Can you talk about that as well? Yeah, that was probably my roughest point of baseball. So we were like just getting in, established in Milwaukee because it was May, so it wasn't that far into the season. You know, just starting to make friends. I remember that night we were supposed to go over to one of the wide towels, have pizza and hang out and watch the game. And Drew called me, which he never calls me before a game. So I was like, oh, something's weird. He's like, 
he was in Cincinnati. So he wasn't even home. He was like, hey, we just got traded to the Rays, which was so full circle because we were drafted by the first time. We kind of like checked them off our list of like, we'll never play there because of everything that happened. And so I was bawling. I called my mom bawling. And I was like, I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to be traded. I like it here. I'm happy here. I'm not, I'm not going. And I was angry because I was like someone in an office somewhere who doesn't know me is controlling my life. And that like, it made me, it, it pissed me off, like to be honest. And then so I called Brooke text me, Brooke Burns text me and was like, did you just get traded? Tell me you didn't just get traded. So I went over to her house to her neighbors. I was bawling. She was amazing. The Brewers wives are amazing. They came over that night. She organized it and they packed my entire apartment in that night. Like that, that the wives in the community is the biggest thing I think. And so packed my entire apartment that night, Drew flew home the next day and we got traded and then we got option to AAA. So we were like, okay, we're moving to Tampa. Just kidding. We're moving to Durham. So Drew came home for one night. My apartment had been completely packed by the wife, thankfully. And Drew came home, packed up. I got a flight out the next morning, which got canceled. So then I went to the Woodruff house and stayed the night because my flight got canceled and then my apartment was over. And we spent about a month in Durham. And I, I remember like, I was really struggling. I remember texting Dan, our agent, and just being like, I'm not doing that well. Like, I'm not happy that we got traded. I don't like that someone else is controlling my life. I remember my mom saying, well, you know, you don't have control of anything. So, you know, that was your first problem thinking that you had the control in the first place. But I remember I was, I was angry about it. And then, you know, I started meeting wives in Durham and Tampa and they're amazing. And Drew and I kind of just had to grow together because you move across the country to a place you've never been again in one day's notice. And now looking back, I think it's the best thing that ever happened to us as a couple, as a career, like it just, it forced us to grow. And that's what those, those adversities have done. Our whole relationship is just like, you don't grow when you're comfortable. Very wise words right there. <laughs> I'd really like it to be the other way where it's like, you know, if it's really comfortable and nice and you have a Mai Tai in your hand, then that's when you grow, <laughs> yeah. right? But that would be amazing. But it's not, right? I mean, well, one, like just like unbelievable story in the power of community, right? Like, and just, I mean, Brooke, and I know you shared, you know, you shared that story with me previously offline. Like the fact that Brooke did show up and kind of put herself in your shoes, right? And a lot of the, a lot of the wives and spouses and, and significant others can probably feel what that would be like, right? And so they kind of rally. It's powerful, right? To be able to have that community in which case, you know, you didn't probably know that you're getting into it, but you've shared many a times as, as well with me previously. The Rays have a very strong community as well. Yeah. And I remember thinking that I was like, I just made friends here. Like I just got invited to go have wine and pizza. And all of a sudden now I have to start all the way over. Like, I don't know. I didn't know a single soul with the race. And now I'm so excited to go back to Tampa tomorrow. We have a baby shower and, you know, this weekend for one of the wives. And it's like, I can't wait to see everyone. And so you kind of have to remember that going into it. And then also when you get there, like, like I said, in a college, things like this are more isolating. But when you get to this level, everyone, not everyone, but when you play for the Rays, almost everyone has been in your position. Like nobody's at home. Nobody's with their family. Nobody's comfortable. You know, it's like, and that's what I always try to remember is that everyone's in that position. And the Rays wives, like they brought me in instantly and they were 
they're amazing. And so I'm very fortunate by that. And I wouldn't trade it for anything, but there was definitely a time where I was not happy. I was angry. I was mad. I was mad because I didn't want to be traded. And I was like, why does someone else get to decide this for me? I know. And it's easy to talk about the business of baseball for other people, right? Like, but when it hits home to you, right, it's, you go like, okay, well, I don't like the business of baseball. I don't like the fact that somebody can just upend in my family and move it clear across the country or different organization. Like, are they even going to like me? As simple as that sounds. Am I going to have friends? It's the little questions that go like, ah, like it just takes so much, right? It just takes, it takes a lot. And I think like we get passionate about this and this is something that like I, we enjoy talking about. And I love hearing you talk about it. Stevie is, is like just casting the vision for your family, right? Being able to sit there and go, okay, like Drew is going to go do his thing on the mound. Right. And it's good that the Rays traded back for him because they believe in Drew's success. Right. And from that standpoint, the business of baseball is good, but at the same token, this is like, okay, well, you know, Baseball can be this, for lack of a better term, a lucrative profession, not only just monetarily, but just resources from just a network, from a social world, from all that that comes with it, right? And it's hard because then it, it that introduces complexity into each individual family that they have to then navigate. And it's hard because then it's like with with those type of resources, right? Even with that type of wealth, it's kind of like... There's just gasoline added to the fire. Whatever is happening in your life is just exploded, right? Well, and I think that's the biggest part of the community of the Baseball Wives because nobody gets it fully unless they do it. And obviously, you're in this position where your husband makes a lot of money to play baseball and you know you're fortunate. And so, you know, to the outside world, you look like you're complaining about small things, but people don't think about and they can't relate to they just can't it's not even like you being complacent about your life or them being harsh it's like they just don't get it that you know when you get traded you have to find a new doctor and a new this and new that it's like there's so many things that go into it that people don't see and if they just look at it like well your husband's getting paid x amount to play baseball you're like yeah that's true and that we're so fortunate we're so blessed and it allows us to live a great life however it does uproot it it still is hard. It can still be hard, even though you're getting paid a lot of money to do it. And I think that's where the wives community really is the best people to lean on. Money doesn't actually fix our problems, no. right? It, it doesn't. We we like to use the terms like like having health with wealth, right? Like being good stewards of that resources, right? Money is just a tool to be taken care of what you and Drew want to accomplish in life, right? Bottom line, like talk to me about that. What does success look like for your family? Yeah, I think, well, you touched on it, obviously health. I mean, when you're having a baby, I think this is like really put everything into perspective for me of like, you know, everyone's like, what do you want a boy or a girl? I'm like, you genuinely just want your family to be healthy. Like that's the most important thing. And then for us, it's like getting rich is not the, what is success for us. It's having the resources and to be able to live the life that makes us happy and to be able to give back and to be able to make sure our kids are, you know, you don't have to worry about your kids every, and you worry about them every day, but you don't have to worry about, can we afford to buy them clothes, to buy them food, all that, you know, it's just like the money side of it is allows us the freedom to have the time to spend with our family. That's kind of our biggest goal is to have 
the time together and to be able to do the things together that we want to do when baseball, when baseball's over and with baseball too. That's an important distinction that I think is, it's not talked about a lot is like we kind of, when we talk about families, a lot of it is, is like, oh, when baseball's done, we want to do this. So oh, when baseball is here, we want to have this, you know, second home or a ranch or whatever the case may be, right? It's like, well, there's actually an optimization that needs to happen during baseball with the family, right? Like, and it's always, this is a great time of year. This is spring training at the timing of this podcast, right? People are trying to find rentals across the country when they're getting shipped out to go play, right? And a lot of it is, is is like, hey, it actually might make a business, like there might be a business case to spend a little bit more on your short-term rental to be comfortable, right? So that when Drew goes on the road, he feels that Stevie is safe living in this neighborhood while she's pregnant, while th- like, and, and he does, he can actually then go perform and go play and have a peace of mind about it, right? As opposed to just skimp and do this. And on the flip side, right? Like don't, don't go spend and be lavish <laughs> with things that aren't necessary, right? Uh, yeah. But like, I think we all know that, but it, it like, it's just being able to have that true, like, and I go back to it, that health with wealth framework and that conversation that you and Drew get to have with each other on, what do you guys want your life to look like? Yeah. And that's kind of where we are fortunate in like the side of it when you have enough money to have the resources. Like when I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, you know, the difference between the minor leagues and where we are now is like, I can afford to ship my car. I mean, it's still a pain to figure out all the logistics, but I can afford it. I can do it. You know, we're going to be living in a place that is across the street from the field. Like we can do that. And I was also talking to Drew today because the Rays doctor, which I was telling you earlier was he's helping me set up an appointment. And I was like, well, he's a team athletic trainer. That's not his job. And Drew goes, well, he's actually really smart because his job is to make sure I can perform. And if, if I know you're taken care of, I know I can perform. And I'm like, that's very true. The Rays, you know, they've taken all the pressure off Drew of, you know, you don't have to have your phone on you all the time. Give your wife our number. And if there's an emergency, we'll make sure you know. So you don't have to be stressing all the time about your wife being pregnant. We got it. You know, we're going to help you and we're going to help her. I'm like, that's just, that's a really good way for them to look at it too. And it's got to be so comforting to you. So I'm curious as a wife um, in your family, how do you help you and Drew stay grounded in the present moment? At the same time, you have this goal. You have this vision of what you want to accomplish, right? Like you guys, you guys are from the Pacific Northwest. You eventually want to get back there, right? Like, but at the same time, it's like, hey, we got to stay grounded and stay present. Like, how do you navigate that, and how do you help Drew navigate that? Yeah, I would say I was raised in a way too where you live less than your means, which has helped me do it now. You know, we bought a house we could afford no matter how, what, how the season went last year, you know, we didn't know how many days we'd spend in the big leagues or not. And so, you know, that kind of didn't, we Drew's great at it too, but you know, just not adding those extra pressures that one don't won't help us in the long run and two aren't necessary. You know, Drew knows if he got released tomorrow, knock on wood that we can afford our house. So it's like, that's not an extra pressure that he has. And so just kind of trying to keep our lifestyle within those means so that it doesn't, add to any of that I think that helps us a lot and then just kind of being there for Drew we went he was at the beginning of last season he was not great and I remember him coming home and me being like what do you what do you say I don't know the difference between his sliders and how they work and when to throw them and I, 
I don't know any of that. But then like helping him find the resources. He went to the mental um, strength doctor and I was like, okay, you know, why don't you call him? I think it'd be a good idea. And leaning on the resources that we have. And this year you guys and a few other people have really helped us kind of expand those resources. And I think that's really helped him a lot too. This happens a lot is where we have a, and I I have a point that I want to make to what you first said on living within your means, right? Like it's inevitably we all want to compare ourselves to some other family and keep up with the Joneses for lack of a better term. And when we get outside of that, there's just stress that comes in, right? It just, and you don't necessarily know and can't put your thumb somewhere to, to really pinpoint that, but it just comes with the fact that like, Hey, if you're outstretching your world, your resources, Drew's performance might get affected. Your family's, your marriage might get affected, right? And so just being able to make sound decisions matters. It matters immensely for just the stewardship of all your resources for your family. And you guys have helped us with that too, is like, you help us look at the perspective of like, you know, today you, you can afford those things. If you want a, the biggest house and the newest car, like, yes, you can afford it, but you guys do a great job. And one of my favorite things about AWM is looking at the long term. Okay. You want to have this many kids and have them go to college and you eventually want to build your dream house. Like if you do those things today, here's how it will impact your life later. And so it's not necessarily, you guys don't say you can't do that because we can, but looking at it in that long term of adding extra stress or saying, if you live your comfortable life, that is amazing. Then you can also have these things later. I didn't ask her to say that. So thank you, Stevie. But <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, and that's one of the biggest reasons why we decided that AWM was for us is because the planning of not just make as much money as you can, and this is how we're going to do it, what we're going to do with it. But like, look at your family and what's important to your family. And that's, that was like the, one of the biggest things that was most important to us was like the family's huge for us. And we want like Drew's working. Yes. Playing baseball is his dream, but he wants, you know, he was a little stressed when we were pregnant and there was no baseball season. It's stressful to not have your income. And, but like, then how can we make it last a long time and how can it impact our kids is really what's most important to us. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's the goal that we want to, we want, we want families to just, you know, want to write the ship of what we would say is the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves problem. And that means that like, hey, generation one builds all the wealth and by generation three, it's all gone, right? And so being able to partner alongside families and just listening to you, kudos to you guys for, for saying that. It means you guys have a good framework. I'd like to close with this. And I think... We've heard so much from you and just thank you for sharing that, Stevie, because this is hard. This life is difficult and it's not the glam that everybody sees on Sports Center. What advice would you have for somebody walking through this life that's in your shoes? Or, so, or maybe to say differently, what would you want to know years ago that you know today? There's a million things. My biggest thing would be like, the, I like the way you wrote the inevitable inevitable adversity because it's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen in any life, but especially in this lifestyle, like you're going to get traded. You're going to get released. You're going to get injured. You're going to get baseball life that happens to you. But those times can be very isolating, especially an injury. You know, it's like you go from being on the team every day, going to the games every day to like, should I go to the games? Like my husband's not playing. My boyfriend's not playing. Um, So I would say like in those hard times is leaning on the community because Odds are 99% of the time someone else has been there. And that's been like my biggest factor is 
leaning on the wives. And the our baseball life community has a lot of great resources that help the wives a lot. But just, you know, not being afraid to reach out. And there are those wives that kind of bring the younger girls in, which helps a lot of, you know, how do you do this? How do you get through this? How do you support your husband when he's going through injury? Or just little things like that that, like, they can relate to. And I would say that was my biggest thing is the community of the wives because that's what helps you get through it. Because, like I said, no one can relate fully. People can relate in some ways. Your family can relate in some ways. Your friends can relate in some ways. But the wives can really relate fully, I would say. And then also another thing that I think that the trade helped me not lose perspective of is like that you and your husband are like your, your team when it comes to baseball, when it comes to Drew and Stevie, like you're the only two people that have your full interest of Drew and Stevie. You're the only, like that's it. So like, you know, when you get traded, you realize you're like, oh, it's just us. Like we're, I guess the two of us are on another journey again. So it's like just kind of keeping that in perspective that it is just about your family not get caught up in everything. Amen. Amen. Community and you are your team. I love it. And and for anybody out there is like, yeah, what Lori Ankeel and her team are doing with our baseball life is just incredible. I encourage everybody to go tap into their resources, tap into their story, tap into what they provide, because there is even just, you know, from a standpoint of like, Hey, I need to find, I just got traded. I need to find a new OB in Seattle, right? Like they've got incredible, incredible resources. They have everything from that to like the other day they posted, like, if you got released from spring training this week, tell us how you feel. If you want to say it's anonymous, if you want to say I am mad, that's okay. Like, you know, they kind of give you that outlet to be that person too. And then it shares with other people like, Hey, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's a weird life. It is. It is, but it's worth it. Right. It is. It is. It's amazing. And the highs are highs and the lows are lows. I would just say like, don't ride either wave too intensely because it's, they come, it comes in waves and it goes in waves. Well, Stevie, thank you for sharing, sharing, sharing this time with us. Hopefully I can help someone. If someone's going through some injury and they're alone, they can reach out to me. I've done it. I've been there. (laughs) Thank you, Stevie. Yes. Thank you. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.